Welcome to this episode of Career Conversations. Now here's your hosts, Jeff Robinson and Todd Deaton. Welcome again to Career Conversations, and uh, I'm, we're here again with Tom Nettles, a Baptist historian, author of many books, including Baptist in the Bible and a biography of James Pettigrew Boyce. I hope you tuned in last week. If not, go back and listen to uh, last week's uh, program. You can download that here from our website. Uh, we just had so much to talk about when it comes to South Carolina and Baptists that we had to do a second part. We could probably do multiple parts of this. But Tom, let's uh, let's just start with kind of where we left off. We were talking about theology and doctrine and those things. Let's we'll, we kind of ended there. We'll go back to that a little bit. But let's talk about Furman University. Uh, that's obviously a major landmark on the uh, in the city in of Greenville. And uh, if you uh, some people probably know Greenville by Furman University. What uh, how have Baptists been instrumental in that school in the past? Yeah, well. One of the major influences on education in among Baptist life was a pastor of First Baptist Church, Charleston, named Richard Furman. And he actually had a circular letter for the Charleston Association that was talking about the obligation of Baptist churches to provide education for uh, young men going into the ministry. Now, Furman did not have any of that kind of education himself. He was educated at home, but he was a, a an intelligent man and a very quick study. And so he taught himself Latin. He I think he memorized the whole Iliad or something like that mm. when he was a, a child and he knew the value of language study. And so he was really wanting to see people gain advantage in a broad education was one thing. And he talks about all the different areas of education that a person should have. And one of the, one of the things that he mentions is the necessity of learning language and how people write and how people express themselves. And he talked about the beauty of language and the beauty of sentence structure and all of that, that is such a reflection of the image of God and God's purpose for us. And so every minister must have that kind of education and he must understand something about the natural world because there you see the power of God and the symmetry of God and the attributes of God, his eternal power and Godhead expressed. And so he wanted this kind of broad-based education for ministers, but he also more specifically wanted theological education, how to handle the scripture, how to look at the way the scripture is constructed and not make foolish errors in making silly applications or drawing doctrines that are really not a part of what a text says. He says that our whole denomination has been somewhat maligned because of some of the silliness of the way our ministers preach because of a lack of education. Uh, and in order to show the truthfulness of what we believe as Baptists, we have to uh, produce a ministry that actually can handle the Word of God in uh, a, a responsible way. And so he was very strong on this. So Furman University comes out of the... the uh, the educational impetus that he put into South Carolina Baptists and his own influence was very influential in this. Then also they had a theological department that was designed specifically to train ministers of the gospel. And it was to that theological department that James Pettigrew Boyce came after he had finished it at Princeton uh, and was the professor of theology there. And it was in that context, of course, that he presented his three changes in theological institutions that we mentioned last time. And the third point of, of that 
particular address that he gave. Well, I'll just mention all three points. First was we must have an abundant ministry. The, the seminary has to provide for people who do not have a, an advanced education but have only a plain English education. They should be able to have theological studies also. Then the seminary must provide advanced education so that we can produce our own teachers. Too many go to Europe, go to Germany. They learn higher critical theory there. Mm -hmm. They learn deconstruction of theology, and they come back, and they pollute the waters of Baptist life. So we need to train our own people in the theological tradition that we have that is a, a believing and a very strong confessional tradition. Uh, and the third point he made was that this, the faculty of such a seminary has to be secured by fidelity to a confession of faith. And then he has a, a lengthy defense of creeds uh, in that particular work, uh, in that address that he gave before the trustees at Furman University. And so Furman University, arising out of the influence of Richard Furman, becomes the foundation both for the Baptist, the multiplicity of Baptist colleges that came around. Mercer was started, of course, out of the influence of Jesse Mercer, mm -hmm. but as influenced by Richard Furman. Uh, and Hamilton in New York was established uh, in the, uh, within that same framework out of the influence of Richard Furman. So Richard Furman had a tremendous impact on education and on theological fidelity in, uh, in Baptist life. Want to hear more encouraging and inspiring stories about South Carolina Baptists? The Courier Magazine is the best source. Individual subscribers may receive The Courier Magazine for $21 per year, which includes free access to our e-edition, or receive the e-edition of The Courier Magazine for $12. To subscribe, call 888-667-4693 or visit our website at baptistcourier.com. What would associational life been like for churches in that, those, those early days in the middle part of the, of the 18th century when the Charleston Association began? What would that have looked like? How would the churches have related to one another? Yeah, associational life was very important. Uh, Philadelphia Association had set sort of a standard as to what it was to be like. And when Oliver Hart came from the Philadelphia Association and began the Charleston Association, he envisioned it having the same advantages that the Philadelphia Association had and having uh, and, and creating this kind of fellowship through the, the ways in which the Philadelphia Association had done it. Uh, and so one of the things, it was a, it was a yearly event. Uh, the Philadelphia Association had two a year at the beginning, and then they changed it to one a year. But it was, uh, it was a social event. People came from these churches, and they had fellowship with each other, and they ate with each other, mm -hmm. and the people coming from other places stayed in the homes of the people that were in these that were, they were in such close proximity to where the association was meeting. And then they would have a circular letter that would be presented. And this circular letter was usually assigned the year before. Sometimes it would be an occasional letter, like a particular issue that's coming up. Sometimes it would be an exegetical letter on a particular passage of Scripture that they needed to have clarity on. Sometimes it would be a theological letter on an article in the Confession of Faith. Uh, Richard Furman was one of the ones who contributed many of these circular uh, letters. And that's the point at which he delivered the letter on, on the education of, uh, of uh, ministers. And then he dealt with other theological issues in the circular 
letters. So the associational life was very important for the stability and for the unity of Baptist churches. And then it was within the context of the association that denominational outreach begins to develop. Uh, Oliver Hart saw this happen in the Philadelphia Association. <clears throat> and so he began to talk to the people in that in, in the Charleston Association about this. And they, they told him that, it would, that they would gather the funds if he would find someone who could come and be a missionary. And so he found John Gano from the Philadelphia Association who came and went into the interior of South Carolina that was unchurched and uh, that was wild and uh, had a lot of uh, just stuff about it that people were afraid of, frankly. Uh, and so John Gano went in there and he would go to houses and he would gather people and he would preach. And then he came back and reported to the association. And Gano's influence was uh, large and responsible for on the one hand for civilizing the, the interior of South Carolina, but also churching it and, and giving a Christian a presence of Christian preaching and Christian doctrine, uh, and in particular Baptist doctrine in the interior. So the that uh, that Charleston Association was was instrumental in in helping South Carolina develop as a as a state and in in spreading the gospel throughout the state. Um, also, from South Carolina, we have, uh, of course, the South Carolina Baptist Convention was the first state convention. Was it, it was 1821, mm -hmm. I think, that it was founded. It's from the South Carolina mm -hmm. Baptist Convention that W.B. Johnson was president of the South Carolina Baptist Convention in the same year that he was president of the General Missionary Convention and in the same year that he was elected president of the Consultative Convention, uh, which began the Southern Baptist Convention. And he came from South Carolina with a, a plan put in, put in his pocket that he wanted to present to the delegates that came to this consultative convention. Uh, and he presented what would be called an associational structure, which would be something of a departure from the society-type structure that the General Missionary Convention and the Baptist General Tract Society and the Home Mission Society had in the Union of Baptists in America at that time. He thought it would be better for there to be one central denomination and all the benevolences would relate to the same convention. And so each benevolence would be an expression of the will of the, the denomination itself. So out of South Carolina, you have the idea that formed the Southern Baptist Convention uh, and you have the man that had the energy and the perception uh, to presented in such a way that it was adopted by the, the consultative convention in Augusta, Georgia. Well, one of the debates, one among several debates we're having now on the SBC is the place of our confession of faith. What, what role does that play in our unity as a denomination and our diversity? How, talk a bit about confessions of faith uh, as they arose out of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. You, had, you mentioned, of course, the, uh, the Charleston uh, Confession of Faith, which is a, a son of the uh, Second Atlantic Confession, and of course the Abstract of Principles, which governs still mm -hmm. to this day, Southern Seminary, um, and both uh, arose out of South Carolina. Talk about how important Confession of faith, Faiths were, or the Confession of Faith was, in denominational or associational life in those days. Yeah. Well, of course, the Southern Baptist Convention was founded without a denominational confession of faith at the time. <clears throat> that, that didn't arise until 1925. 
because of the challenge of the evolution controversy and liberalism that was beginning to express itself. And so the convention as such decided that it needed a convention-wide confession of faith. But the fact that it did not arise till 1925 does not mean that Baptists were not aware confessionally or not committed to them. Uh, I've done some work in the, like the Mississippi Baptist Association and the Alabama Association and the Louisiana and so forth. And when these people uh, began to leave the, the East Coast and, and move further west, the Baptists brought with them uh, the confession that they had, which largely in all those churches that were developing was the Second London Confession. And so the Confession of Faith of the Mississippi Association was basically an abstract of the Charleston Association. And they took this, this, uh, uh, this Confession of Faith very seriously. We find the same thing in Alabama, because when, when Basil Manley Sr. went to Alabama uh, to be the president of the University of Alabama and became very active in Baptist life there, of course, he was oriented confessionally uh, to that kind of of expression of Christian truth and to the necessity of that being something that gave unity to Southern Baptist life. And, and this is seen in a sermon that he preached trying to create uh, a, a, a degree of unity in, among the, uh, the Baptists in Alabama when there had been some controversy. And he preached a sermon called Divine Efficiency Consistent with mm. Human Activity which is showing the unity between God's sovereignty and human responsibility, which is set forth very clearly in the con confessional material. So the impact of the confessional history of South Carolina is very important then in the development of the, of the doctrinal awareness of the entire Southeast as people move from South Carolina and then, and then Georgia uh, the Georgia Confession of Faith is a strong mm -hmm. uh, Calvin. The, the Georgia Baptist Association is a strong Calvinist confession built on the uh, Second London Confession, uh, and the separatist the separate Baptist confessions of faith followed actually the same theological position. So, confessional life is very important, uh, and it's what gave a lot of coherence and and unity of purpose to Baptist life in the South. And much of this is is owing to the tenacity with which Baptists in South Carolina held to these things. Mm. Well, we've still got a couple of minutes left here. I just want to quickly ask, what would, what would church life be like in South Carolina in those early days? What would a Sunday, I know this is a, you could write a book on this, but in one minute, what would that look, what would the Lord's Day look like in those days? On well, they, they quite often had circular letters and sermons preached on the sanctity of the Sabbath. They would worship. They would meet together for worship. This was something that they felt was absolutely necessary. They saw preaching as the center of worship. They took preaching very seriously, and you can look at the large numbers of preachers that, uh, as to how they did this. They, they built their, their worship on the, what is called the regulative principle. They wanted it all to reflect something that was stated explicitly in Scripture. So they would, they would sing, and they, they developed hymnals that they would use. Uh, they would have regular prayer. Uh, they, they, they developed a way of, of giving. Uh, but the, the central issue was, was preaching, because that is what would give unity of mind, unity of heart, unity of mission, uh, to the people when they saw what God's revelation said about 
both uh, the faith and the duty of Christians. Well, Tom, there's just so much here and so much more we could say. I really appreciate your time. We thank you for being a guest uh, with us today. We'll definitely be having you back. Because again, there's a lot more to talk about here in South Carolina, uh, among South Carolina Baptists and the robust contribution they've made to our denomination uh, as Southern Baptists. And so again, Tom Nettles, uh, if you want to read a couple of his books, Get Baptists in the Bible, uh, and just a, a book that's made such a massively important contribution to our denomination, where we stand today on the inspiration, inerrancy, and sufficiency and authority of Scripture, and also uh, a, a one that will be very pertinent to South Carolina Baptist, the biography of James Pettigrew Boyce. Both, I highly recommend those. If I could assign those to all my listeners and have them come back and write me a report, I would do that, but I can't do that unless you're a student of mine. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back in the near future. Thank you. We're glad you joined us for Courier Conversations, where we are informing and inspiring South Carolina Baptists and beyond. For more information about these topics and more, subscribe to our e-edition or go to our website at baptistcourier.com. The Courier is located in Greenville, South Carolina, as a multimedia ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. To comment about today's podcast, email us at conversations at baptistcourier.com. This podcast produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.